0: I'm Carly Batchelor. I have been going to Greystone since I was in fifth grade. I actually started back at the um, warehouse in those days, and I'm currently at the Oconee campus. Um, I have started serving with Greystone students about a year ago here in Oconee, and it has been amazing for me. Um, I actually started serving when I had a class that required me to do some community service. So I had known about the students here because I was one at the other campuses. And so I texted Daniel. I was like, hey, I'm going to like come do this. Like you got room for me. He was like, come on. So I remember like just that's how I began. And I was really excited to start. And it just was a normal what I did every Wednesday. And it's funny to think back now, Daniel and Emily tell me, one of the other leaders, that the day he signed my papers, they thought they'd never see me again. But that was not the case. I just kept coming back at fall retreat. I remember just sitting in a sermon, and I remember the preacher telling us, he was like, you know, if you feel, like, called to ministry, and it was such a weird moment for me, because, like, all of a sudden, I was like, wow, maybe this is something, like, I should stand up for, um, but I totally chickened out. I really wish I wouldn't have, and I remember going back to the rooms, and, like, I had a moment with one of our other leaders, and I was like, I just felt so called to stand, and she was like, well, maybe you should, like, talk to Daniel about it, so, um, I never did uh, after that. I just came home from fall retreat, and I just like realized and spent a lot of time in prayer, and was like, "Wow, like these students mean a lot more to me than I originally thought," and like this has become such a big part of my life. Um, I came home and I like called my mom after class, and I was like, "Mom, I like." I think this is, like, really a place I want to spend more time and, like, hang out at. And she was like, that's cool, honey. And I was like, yeah, like, I think I'm going to drop the sorority so I have more time to, like, focus on these kids. So I think she was a little surprised that she got the call that I was, like, most of my college community had been met through my sorority. So, you know, dropping that to hang out with these middle schoolers, but I just felt like that was where God was calling me to. So fast forward, just keep volunteering, like spending every Wednesday here. Um, our times grew, like from 630 to 8 wasn't enough. So we were here early, hanging out with the kids, playing different games, like became professional at Nine Square and stuff. And um, that was really exciting. And then come breakthrough this year, like right before two weeks, I remember Daniel like texting me and he's like, hey, like how fast can you get here from class? And I was like, oh gosh, like what has happened? So I get the text and um, I get to the church and he's like, so you want to be my intern? And I was just like, what? Like, this is so exciting. And he had told me that, like, you know, like, I had been praying about since fall retreat if God was calling me into ministry and just like what I was gonna do and like if this is where God wanted me so that became a big part and so now I'm actually the Oconee students intern and I'm honestly just so blessed that I have this opportunity me and the other leaders they have just become my best friends and I'm just so thankful for them the kids I adore and I learn from them like weekly and I can't even explain like how much I have gotten from this and I just hope they got something back from me
1: yeah. Incredible story. I loved uh, hearing Carly's story. Um, but my name is Alan. I'm the campus pastor at our Oconee campus. And uh, so I actually want to say a little welcome to our Walton campus, our Oconee campus, and everyone watching online, thanks so much for joining us in here. Uh, today. Uh, I love Carly's story. I actually asked her to share uh, some of that story today, but I'm going to talk more about um, what what she talked about in in her story in the end of the message. But uh, I love being here this morning. Uh, It's great seeing a lot of new faces uh, and then also a lot of familiar faces as well. I feel like though every time I'm here I kind of need to give like a new life update. So here's a picture of my crew. Uh, This is my beautiful wife Allison and uh, my, my daughter and my son, uh, this is Nora, she is three, and Drake is two. Uh, and so we are, we're already a pretty, pretty busy in our life right now with these two kiddos. And if you guys haven't heard, uh, we're expecting round three to be here in two months. Yeah, so thank y'all. Yeah. So I do just want to say, though, if you see me in public in the next three to four months... All right, and we're just talking. I just happened to fall asleep mid-sentence. You just know why, okay? I just want to go ahead and apologize right up here, so you guys hear me. But we're excited; round three is going to be fun. We um, can't wait. It's going to be a little boy, and so we're uh, we're excited to see um, how that's going to add a mix to our family. But I'm excited about being here with you guys, talking about the blessed life. Starting a new series here today, um, and when we when I hear the blessed life, I don't know about you guys, but I've talked to a lot of people, and and they hear blessed life, and we think about getting more things right. And that's just kind of what we we think about in America. We think about, all right, this guy's a nice house, they have a nice car, they have a nice life, whatever this is, they're living the blessed life. Well, today, I actually kind of want to flip that script a little bit, and I want to look at it a little bit differently. I want to look at it like this. What if we measured our life not on how much we can get, but actually how much we can give away? What if we measured our life not on actually how much of stuff and how much things we can get, but actually how much can we give away? Key takeaway for you guys today, the key to the blessed life is generosity. The key to the blessed life is generosity. And one one verse I want to look at is Acts thirty, or excuse me, Acts twenty thirty five. In all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how He himself said, It is more blessed to give than receive. And I love what Paul points out here. You guys have probably heard that, that saying before, it's more blessed to give than receive, and we've heard that before. But I love what Paul points out. He says, we must help the weak. I think so often we, help, we hear blessed life, we hear generosity, we hear, hear giving back, we think a lot of money. Well, Paul right here is referencing weak. So this could actually talk about just spending time with someone, helping out someone um, where they might, be, they might be weaker. It could be. Um, money as well. And here at Greystone, we talk about giving. We talk about giving our time, talents, and our treasures. And so when I, when I reference giving today, I'm actually going to be talking about those three things, how we could actually give those things back. But the hard part is, in the world we, we, that we live in every day, it says the more we have, the better, right? That's just kind of what it says. And the problem is, we've been inundated since we were little kids that more is better. Have you guys ever seen this right here? You might know what this is? Oh yeah, oh yeah! It's the Super Soaker. Y'all remember these things, right? I mean, this was this was my childhood right here. All right, we loved going outside when summer came. We'd go outside and just just go crazy. And our moms were like, "Yeah, just have fun, you know. Y'all just get each other wet. It's fun." Does anybody remember their slogan? Wetter is better. Yeah, I uh, know. Yeah, y'all remember that? You're like, oh my gosh, I'm thinking about it. You know, and it's all about how much how much wetter can you get that other person? And it's it's it's, it's been inundated as a kid. And I don't know about you guys if y'all are if y'all remember that super sucker, you know the basic super sucker. Yeah, it was pretty nice. But I had the backpack super soaker. Anybody feel me on this? Yeah. You remember this thing? You had to like clip it in and it had like this pump on the side and that you could like spray someone. And I would give my little brother that little one. Like, here you go, bud. You know, let's play with this. And he'd run out there and try to squirt me. And if I was close enough, I could knock him down with that super soaker. I mean, it's just insane, you know? And then in America, we create things like this. Have you seen this guy? This is the biggest super soaker in the world. I mean, it's probably dangerous, but I would love to have one, right? I mean, because... If more is good, we want even more of it. How about, how about this thing? Y'all remember Double Bubble? Yeah, oh man, throwback. Yeah, y'all remember this? I actually just had some of this this week. Remember Double Bubble? I mean, y'all remember that time? I mean, we don't want the single bubble, right? I don't want no single bubble. Give me some of that double bubble, you know? We want to see how big a bubble can you make. You're sitting in the dugout. You're supposed to be paying attention to the, the, the game. And what's happening? You're like sitting there trying to make the biggest bubble on the dugout seat. You're like looking down at your buddies. You're like, hey, did you see this one right here? It's a huge one, you know? It's all about more. We want to be more. We want to have the biggest bubble, the, the biggest super circle, whatever it is. And the problem is they really didn't change marketing from when I became an adult. You all know that? They still market to me the exact same way, right? And I'm not hating on anybody. I'm just going to say them. You know, like cell phone carriers, all right? They're, they say, hey, well, come, come, come uh, book with us because we have more data. I'm like, okay, that sounds pretty good. And they're like, well, we have more coverage, like, oh, man, y'all both have more. That's a, kind of, that's a tough decision. i got to decide what, which one do I want more of. i got to figure out which one I'm going with. Or y'all have heard, hey, one call can save you 15% more on your insurance, right? You're like, all right, I guess I'll do that one. You know, that sounds like a good idea. Or they're like, hey, come and do your taxes with us, and you get more back. And there's all kind of other things everywhere in our life. There's, there's more and more and more. Come with us, and you get more food. You get a bigger car. You get this X, Y, and Z, whatever it is, and the thing is, we learn in our heads, and it's not even like something we would say out loud, but we just think that the more we have, the happier we will be, right? That's kind of the mindset that we have. We're, it's ingrained in us as kids that this is kind of the normal mindset, the, ha- the more we have, the happier we will be. But today, I want us to see that the more, it's not always better. Proverbs 11, 24, and 25 says, One freely gives, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give, and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. A generous man will prosper, and the one who gives will prosper, but yet the one who holds only suffers want. And the, the, the proverb right here is telling us that, that as much as we get, and the more selfish we become, that even, even our wants are not going to fulfill us. I was reading an article the last few weeks and I was preparing for this, this message, and I came across this idea. It's called the disease of more. And the guy that coined this phrase is Pat Riley. You guys have probably heard of him. Um, he's a, a basketball coach. I heard there was a lot of grunting in the first service. I'll just say that. A lot of people were upset about him. I don't know. But, but he, did, he did win um, five championships. Uh, his NBA coach won five championships for two different teams. He, he coined this phrase, uh, the disease of more. And he said what happened was, it wasn't other teams that came in and really just were better than us and beat us. He said what happened was is we, we lost from the inside out. He said as, as guys and as, as everyone kind of rise up to a certain level and they get to a certain place making so much money or whatever it is, they, they only want more. They want more shoe deals. They want more playing time. They want better stats because he said even he had guys even not passing it to his teammates because they wanted all the credit. They said, no, I don't want want my buddy to, to be getting all the credit. I want to make sure people are talking about me and not him. And he said the problem was everyone were so inward focused that it actually ultimately defeated their teams. And I think that happens to us as well. We get so inward focused. And just like these guys, we lose focus of our mission of what we're here to do and what we're called to do. You probably have heard this before that it says that money is a terrible master. Because money always says, once you get a little bit more, then you're going to be happy. Once you get a little bit more, and, and the thing is, money never tells what that number is. It never says, hey, that number is this. It just says, once you get more, that's when you're going to be happy. Second Corinthians 9 says, you'll be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving. To God. To so hear Paul, one of the Corinthian church, to be blessed in every way so they could be generous. He wanted them to be blessed so they could be generous on every occasion. Think about this. Imagine, imagine this. Imagine you became so consumed with generosity that people thank God for you. That you were so consumed with, with generosity with giving away your time, talents, and your treasures that God has blessed you with that people thanked God for you. I loved hearing Carly's story. It's been fun because I was a student pastor at the Ozora campus. My wife and I worked here, um, and my wife invested a lot of time with Carly, and it's cool seeing her do the same thing with students at our Oconee campus. But it's been fun to see, uh, again, just her giving up her time and being generous with with her time. I mean, just think back to your college days. Actually, that's probably not good for some of y'all. Let's say, think back back to like a a wholesome college time. How about that, okay? I know a lot of you guys are trying to get that out of your mind. But think back to a wholesome college time. All right, this is probably the, the time you had the most freedom, right? You could do whatever you wanted to do. You could, you could just sleep late, or you could stay up late. You could hang out with your friends all night. You could do whatever you wanted to do, right? But instead, I love what Carly was saying, that, and even I've, she's, I've been told, that instead of hanging out with her friends late at night, she actually goes to these sixth-grade soccer games. And instead of spending all week on spring break, she stayed a few, few nights with friends, and then she came back early to make sure she had time to spend with her small group and invest in her girls. And I bet all of us in this room could think about people that have invested in our life, right? Maybe that's a teacher or a coach or a parent or a small group leader or a, a student pastor, whoever that might be. We can think about that, that person and they probably invested a lot of time and they were very generous with their time and their resources with us and i think so often you know we don't think about that but i heard a pastor say it this way he says do you want more stuff or do you want more stories he said do you want more stuff that people are just going to get rid of or you might get rid of or when you pass away that that people we just have to do something with or do you want more stories do you want more stories of lives being changed for all eternity because of your generosity, because because you are out there being generous, and you are out there giving of, of, of your time and giving of your treasure, and people's lives are being changed. Well, Today, I actually have three mindsets I want us to talk about, three mindsets of generosity. Number one is the bag mindset. The bag mindset, we don't have enough or we never have enough to be generous. And when I think about this bag mindset, I think about uh, Easter coming up. And you guys know Easter egg hunts are a part of Easter. Um, and you guys have probably seen, you know, the little kids when it's the first time Easter egg hunting. Maybe this picture right here. Yeah, you're like, oh, that's cute. But, but what happens if, if, if you're a new parent, you probably remember this. And, and new parents right here, go ahead and write this down. You need to practice Easter egg hunting at your house. Okay. I know you hear them laughing. These parents have done it before. All right. Because what happens when they get up there, number one, they might not know what to do, but if they do know what to do, they have their basket and they might have a couple eggs in there. They go down to bend over to pick up one egg, and then what happens? Two or three Yeah, there it is, two or three eggs fall out of their basket, and they put one in, and they're like, Oh, here's another one. And and it's just they're just in this circle. You've seen it. We've all seen it, all right? So we don't want that to be our kid though, right? But I think about that that idea and think about that mentality when I think about this bag mindset. I get this from Hagai One Six. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. Here the prophet is warning us and reminding us that, that we need to be thinking about what we're doing. That we, that we are not generous. That we're trying to fill ourselves with, with a God-sized void in our life. We're trying to fill it with other things that's never going to fulfill us. He said we need to make sure we be careful on what we're trying to do. We need to be focusing on what God has called us to do, and that's to, again, love other people and be generous in the world. I think in this mindset, we have a scarcity mindset as well. We trust what's in the bag and we don't want to give because of life or money or time. Or we say, you know what, I just don't really have time for that. Or, or I really don't want to have to clean my house for people to come over, you know, for this. Or, you know what, I, I really don't want my house to be dirty. Or, or, or I think a lot of times when we have this mindset, we say, I really just don't want to be inconvenienced. I don't want to be inconvenienced with what other people need. I'm focused on myself. I'm getting my life done. I'm getting everything done. And I don't want to be inconvenienced on what's going on. Because we hold on so tight to what we have and we're not generous. Andy Stanley says it this way. He said, if you choose to live for yourself, you'll only have yourself to show for it. If you choose to live for yourself, you'll only have yourself to show for it. The second mindset is the basket mindset. This is more than enough. This is when we we step out and give God a little bit. We're generous with a little bit, and he blesses it into a huge blessing. I get this from Deuteronomy 28, 4. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle. The increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. And blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. I love this right here. It's talking about an obedient Israel will be blessed in everything that they do. An obedient Israel will be blessed so that they can be a blessing to other people. Because when we're faithful, the literal God can provide the real type of blessing. And there's another great example of this in the New Testament when Jesus is teaching to the five thousand. Y'all can probably remember this. He's teaching to this large crowd of people, and it's kind of getting late. And the disciples are like, "Hey, Jesus, let's go and send people back home because you know we don't have anything." And he's like, "No, we're going to provide for them. We're going to take care of them. What do we have?" And so they look around, and y'all probably remember this story. They find this little kid with like a Lunchable, you know. He has like some fish, and he has some bread. And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely share what I have. And he shares that, and Jesus, Jesus blesses it. And then he takes it and he feeds 5,000 men plus their families. And y'all remember the end of that story? He said, even after everyone had had their fill, there were still 12 basketfuls left over. Because when we give even God just a little bit, he can bless it immensely. He can bless it immensely. And so the third mindset is the barn mindset. This is infinitely more than enough. This comes from Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Check this out. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with new wine. And I love just a few verses above this. This is when we, you know, it says trust in the Lord with all your heart. And this is one way we can do that. We can trust the Lord with our wealth. And that, that God knows how to bless those that, he, that trust in him and that trust him with their wealth. And you've heard us say it up here that God can do more with 90% that's blessed than with 100% of us trying to do what we can do. I've even heard a pastor say it this way. He said the tithe helps break the grip of wanting more. When we give it away, when we give to people that help and give to the church, it helps us break that grip of us only wanting more. So God wants to know how much can he bless you. This last, uh, last scripture I want to look at today. Luke twelve, sixteen. This is a parable in Jesus' teaching. He says, The land of a rich man produced plenty, and he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this, I will tear down my barns, and I will build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for you for many years. Relax. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Now, I love this story because Jesus is kind of pointing out two things. Number one, he says Though the man was not prepared for eternity, he was not ready. And then also, it says that he was not prepared for that blessing that he had gotten. It says that he was not ready and he was not being generous towards God. A lot of times we, we, we see this, or I see this, and I think that this man had, had this born blessing, but instead he had a bag mindset. He was trying to hold on so tightly to it and trying to fill himself with what he had got and what he had gained. But it's never going to fill us. And that's, again, what, what Jesus was saying right here, that he wasn't generous with what he was blessed with. I don't, know, I don't know about you guys, but I grew up in church, and anytime we had a message similar to this, I always heard a pastor say, well, you got to be careful because, because wealth is a burden. And I was like, okay, well, if it's so much of a burden for everyone else, I guess I could carry some of that burden for everybody, you know? I mean, that's what I would like to do. If you guys need some help, I'll take, care of, I'll take some of that for you, you know? I mean, I'm like, okay, well, you know, that's, that's fine by me. And I think for some of us in here, when we hear about this this barn blessing or this example from from Luke 12, you know, we're like, well, if God ever blessed me like that, then I'm going to be generous, right? If he ever blessed me and my barns were filled with with everything we needed and it was going to be fine, then that's when I'm going to be generous. And I want us to hear me say today that that's where we're at. If you drove here today, or if you're watching online on some type of device, there's a really good chance that you're in the top 1% to 2% of all the wealth of the entire world. And it's crazy for us to even think that way, right? I had to check these stats before I got up here this week. I was like, I think that's right. And I checked them. Yeah, we're in the top 2% of all the wealth in the entire world. But what happens? What happens? We look around, right? We look around and we say, well, I I see this guy and I want that and I see this and I I wish I had that. I wish I had these things. But we're so focused on everyone else. We're so focused on, on what's going on that we don't even have a chance. We don't even see all the many blessings and all the things that we have in our own life as well. And here's another reason I don't think it's all about how much more we can get, because I've been all over this world on different mission trips, all over in different countries and different places, and pretty much everywhere I've been, the people have been so generous. And many of them have nothing. Many of them have nothing. One, one guy, he gave me his last amount, uh, last little bit of food. And I was like, listen, I can, go, I can go buy my own food, you know, it's fine. He said, no, but I want you to come to my house and eat with me. And we ate his last food, and he had to go get some more for that night. I've even been places where a guy gave me the jacket off his back just because I said, hey, I like that jacket. That's cool, man. And he said, oh, hey, you can have it. And I was like, no, no, I got plenty of jackets. I, I, you know, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. He said, no, I want to I bless you with this. It just blows my mind. And I think so often we think about the blessed life is how much more can we get? But I don't, know, I don't know if that's how it works. I think it's about being generous and having a generous mindset. So I want to I talk about three ways that we can have a generous mindset. And this is cool because when I was preparing for this message, I actually talked to a lot of people that I found be, that are generous and, and friends that are generous, and I just asked them, like, how are you so generous? What do you do? What are some things you've done in the past? How did you get to where you are today? And that, these are a bunch of things that they have given me, and so that's why I want to tell you guys today. So number one, number one is create a budget. And this one might sound kind of weird because you're like, exactly what we're talking about here, but... Um, their their stats say that at least 80 percent of americans are in debt and this might be some small debt or some some small things but uh, one thing we're all or 80 percent of americans are in debt and i think a lot of us what happens is we 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 you know get a job right and then we might get married we have two incomes we're like this is great you know we we could do whatever we want to do and then we have kids which they're great too i know but they're expensive right and then we get a house, you know, and then we probably have a dog, and we have all these kind of things. And what happens is we just kind of lose focus of where our money's going, right? And it, it just, we have subscriptions out everywhere, right? We walk in the house, and you get some, like, you walk in, you're like, I don't even want these magazines, and we throw them away. We're like, oh, man, I could have, you know, instead of spending 20 bucks on that magazine, I could have helped support a missionary or helped support a kid in another country, or I could have been generous for someone else. I heard our pastor say, he said, you need to be known where your money is going. And that's pretty... It works here in the South because, you know, we kind of say the stuff like that, but you need to be knowing where your money is going because if you're not... If you don't know where your money's going, then you're not going to be able and you're not going to be ready to be generous. And a personal story for me, when my wife and I got married, we actually had over $30,000 in school loans. And that, that's pretty common. That's pretty normal. And our parents even paid for most of our school. But we felt convicted because one day my, my brother asked me, he said, Alan, would you be willing to support me in an internship I'm doing at this church? And I said, yeah, I'd love to, but I can't really do it a lot because I have a lot of debt. i got to take care of this and X, Y, and Z. And I felt convicted that I need to get rid of this debt so that I could be generous. Because if I still have this, this looming over my head, I'm never going to be able to be generous. So my wife and I created a budget. We, we watched every dollar, wherever it went, and we were actually able to pay that $32,000 off In 18 months. It was incredible. Because we wanted to be able to be generous. We wanted to to help someone out if they needed help. We wanted to be able to support a missionary if he needed help. Or we wanted to be able to give money to to someone doing an internship or maybe even support kids in our compassion area. We wanted to be able to do those things. And a lot of us aren't able to do that type of stuff because we don't have a good hold on our money. So maybe today you need to create a budget. Maybe you need to know where your money is going. Number two, practical advice, is is to create a thankful journal. Create a thankful journal. You've heard me talk a few few times about up here. We we look around and we're like, hey, I want this guy's house, I want this guy's car, I want this vacation, I want this lifestyle, I want this X, Y, and Z. And so often we don't think about all the many things that we have. But when you, you create a thankful journal, you write down one thing you're thankful for every day. What is one thing you're thankful for every day that, that, that you see, that you go through, that you, you can thank, thank, thank God for? I think this helps break the mindset of more, right? It helps us break the mindset of more. It helps us see the world in a whole new light. I actually brought this up to our small group um, a few months ago. And I, it was a girl in our small group that said she did this. And she actually, she actually does three a day. She, she writes down three things she's thankful for every day. Because she said, at the end of the year, I want to have over a thousand things that I'm thankful for. And every year I go back and I reread everything that I was thankful for that year. And she said, it has totally changed how I see my life. Totally changed how I see what I do. Totally changed how I see the world and see everything around me. So maybe today you need to create a thankful journal. Maybe tonight you need to start that. Write down one thing that you're thankful for to help break that more mindset. And this last one, I'll be honest, guys, is the one I, I feel most convicted about. This is the one my small group kind of called me out on when we were discussing what I was going to be talking about up here, and they kind of said, hey, this is probably the one you need, to, you need to do in your own life. But the third example I have is be willing to be inconvenienced. We need to be willing to be inconvenienced. Or another way to put it is be available. You can be available, because I think so often... And I know this is true with you guys because I try to grab lunch with a lot of people and a lot of times they're too busy for me. I understand, hey, you're busy. We got, you know, we got life going on, right? But what happens when we schedule out our entire week and we don't have any time planned or prepped for, for anyone else? It's, it's hard when something comes up, right? Someone needs your time. Someone needs to hang out. Someone needs to talk. You're like, listen, I'm sorry. I got, I got this schedule. I got this meeting. I got this whatever. I got to get to. I can't really do that right now. It's going to be a little inconvenient for me. And some of us, I know, even myself, sometimes I I, I, I schedule out everything so much that, like, when a meeting runs like a minute over, I start like sweating because I'm like, "Listen, I got like three minutes to get to my next meeting, which then I have to go to that meeting. Then I get done with that, I drive to my next place. I mean, it's it's a little stressful, right?" And I'll be honest with you guys, I shared this with my staff. In 2018 was the first year in my marriage, okay, that we did not move, that we didn't have a kid, or that we didn't start a new campus, okay. And so I'm a planner. And my wife, my wife likes this a little bit, but I planned out the entire 2018 calendar in January. January, I had the entire 18, uh, 2018 calendar planned out. I had already bought my plane tickets to go see my in-laws. We had already scheduled the vacation days. We'd already asked off for different things to go see my parents. I knew when the days I was going to do all these things, we already had doctor's appointments, dentist appointments, everything was planned out and ready to go. But what happens when you get that plan and that schedule? Are you ready when something comes up? A lot of times my my answer was, well, listen, I'm, I'm really busy, you know? I, can't, I really can't. I don't have time for that. I don't have time to, to spend. I don't have time. And I heard myself saying that over and over and over. So maybe... You need to be available. Maybe you need to make a goal of being intentional one time a week, just taking a meal, taking cookies or whatever that might be to someone. So how can you be available and how can you be generous with your time? So as we wrap up, last story, I was here at the Azora campus last week and talking to a buddy, and I was just asking him, you know, how's your family doing? And I know he had been uh, fostering a little boy. And I said, you know, how's your foster child doing? He said he's doing well, he's doing good, um, But it's a little sad because, you know, we we heard we might have to be sending him back home to his parents. And he had had uh, this kid for 15 months and got him pretty much—he was only 15 months old. He had got him pretty much um, when he was born. And so he had been fostering him. And he said that my wife and I were talking last night, and she brought up this point. What if he never remembers us? He said, what if he never remembers us? What if he doesn't remember the long nights when he wasn't feeling well? Or what if he doesn't remember the, the, the time we, we spent with him or the love that we gave him or the, the poopy diapers or, or the money we spent or what all of those many things, what if he doesn't remember? What if he grows up and never even knows who we are? And before I could even answer, he said, but it's okay. He said, because it's worth it. Because I know God has called me to be generous with my time and my life. He has called me to be generous with my home. He's called me to take care of people that cannot take care of themselves. And so what if we had that mindset as well? What if we had that generosity mindset that it's not about me, but it's about what I can give away? And this is my last point. And these are some great things I've said. These are some great things we need to be doing. But this is ultimately the reason we should be generous. We have a generous God, so we should want to be generous as well. When we remember what God has done for us, we know that through John 6, 3, 16, that he sent his one and only son to this earth so that we could have a relationship with him. And we also know that Jesus died on the cross for us so that we could have a relationship back to the Father. We should want to be generous people. We have a God that loves us so much that he gave up everything so that we could have a relationship with him. We should want to be generous as well. So what's holding you back from being generous today? What is something that you need to either get rid of or add into your life in order to be generous? Maybe you need to make a budget. Maybe you need to make a plan. Or maybe you need to have a thankful journal. Or maybe you just need to even be available and, and have that, set, that time set aside for some time in your, in your week or your month to be generous to other people. Because we're a generous group of people. Christians are known to be generous, but what if we all had the barn mindset that we want to just be generous and we want to love our, our communities that we live in? We want to give when we, we can, maybe even give a little bit till it hurts. What would the world look like if we were like that? So as we wrap up, I'm going to end with this. We need to measure our life, not on how much we can get, but actually how much of it we can give away. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for today. And God, just the opportunity we have just to come and worship you and just to learn more about you. Father, we pray um, as we head out of here, Father, that we would be a generous people. Lord, we ultimately need to be generous because you have been generous with us. God, you sent your son so that we could have a relationship with him and even ultimately have that relationship with you. God, you have been generous and given us so many opportunities when we mess up. And so, Father, I pray that we would remember this. I pray as we head out of here, Father, that we would be a difference maker in this world, that that generosity would be the blessed life. And it's not about how much more we can get or how much more we can fill our life with, but instead it's more about how can we give our life away. And so, Lord, we're so thankful for everything you have done for us and everything you have blessed us with. Father, I pray that you would be the one that gets the honor and the praise and the glory in everything that we do. In your name we all pray, amen.